Amen. Thank you, Mrs. Judge. Looks like a good group here tonight. Almost looks like a Sunday morning crowd. I, I prayed with Kevin before the service, and he said, he said, are you nervous, not nervous, worried, scared? I said, all the above. <laughs> I think we could use a, a joke tonight. This is a joke that goes back before COVID. This guy walks into uh, Tim Horton's restaurant, and he's standing in line, and he sees a friend or John Kirkwood told me this joke, so if it's bad, then he gets the blame, right? <laughs> he sees a guy sitting over there, and he says, I recognize that guy, and he walks over to him, and he, he says, didn't I work with you 30 years ago? He said, yes, you did. I remember you. He said, by the way, he says, what's your name? He says, you need to know right away. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm getting there with that 70. Take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews. Hebrews, chapter 10, and verse number 7. I'm so glad that the preacher mentioned this morning that he studied this morning early and come up with a message from Hebrews because it helped me with my message tonight. It goes right along with the theme. I want to talk about the will of God and Jesus did the will of the Father. And we are to do the will of God in our life. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 7. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. In the volume of the book, this whole book, this whole book, uh, Jesus, in the volume of the book, right from Genesis, in the beginning, God created. And in, in chapter 3, he was going to bruise the serpent's head. And then all the way through the whole Bible, he does the will of God perfectly, without sin. He never sinned. Jesus never sinned. Not one sin did he commit. And he did the will perfectly to the cross the death, the burial, the resurrection of the cross. No sin at all. What a great Savior we serve today. Oh, that mercy tree. What a song. Boy, didn't that lift you up? My heart's been moved today. My heart's been broken today. My heart's been crushed. I was here this morning and heard the preaching of the word of God from Hebrews and the singing and uh, the names of God, names of Christ. Wow, what a great service we had this morning. Praise God for being able to do his perfect will. I want to mention something here. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we're so thankful for your love for us. Help us, Lord, to be able to do what you'd have us to do. And Lord, I pray, Father, that your will would be done in each one of our lives. I pray for your filling, Lord. I can't do anything without you. I need your help, Lord. I just pray that you would uh, use me and, and bless the service tonight, Lord. Bless these dear people that are here. I pray, Lord, that you would undertake for them and for their needs. 
Lord, I, I need you right now, Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, the place that I am right now as a, as a Christian, God has brought me to a place where I daily beg to him for mercy and grace. And then I heard that song tonight about mercy and grace. Like David of old, for the years, for years I would read Psalms and think, could it really be like that with David? It says in Psalm 6-6, I am weary with groaning. All night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. And I thought, is this, is this, really, is this really true? Is David really going through this stuff? And the older you get, the more that you start to realize, the older you get as a Christian, the more you start to realize that, yes, I'm starting to go where David is, where David was, weeping and, and praying to God and saying, oh, God, oh, God. You know that, that term, oh, God, uh, that, that is personal. Like if your uh, children are, are hurt, are looking for you, and they say, oh, Dad, they don't just say, Dad, or they say, oh, Mom, then, then you know that, that they're seeking you for personal help. And we say, oh, God. Oh, God, help, Lord. There's 104 verses in the Bible that the scriptures record this phrase, oh, God. Most that come from the heart of David, a man after God's own heart. I'd like to read 10 of them for you. Psalm 51.1, have mercy Upon me, O God. I, I prayed that. I don't know how much I prayed that this morning. Have mercy upon me, O God. Psalm 56, verse 1. Be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me, Lord. I, I have to preach tonight. I, I need you. I, ca I can't do this, Lord. I, I'm not. I, I'm, too, I'm too small, Lord. I'm, I'm too little. I'm. Lord, I, I, can't, I can't do this. Lord, I can't do it. Help me. Help me, Lord. We serve such a big God. And I'm so small when I think about myself. I'm so small and wretched. And I need his grace. Psalm 57, verse 1 says, Be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. Psalm chapter 6 and verse 1. Hear me, hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. Psalm 63 verse 1. O God, that, that phrase, O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. This is the self-existent one. Nobody can make that claim. None of us can make that claim that we are self-existent. God always was. Psalm 69, verse 5, O God, thou knowest my foolishness, and my sins are not hid from thee. Psalm 71, verse 12, O God, be not far from me. O God, make haste for my help. Psalm chapter 75, verse 1, Unto thee, O God, do, I, do we give thanks? Unto thee, do we give thanks? 
for that thy name is near, thy wondrous works declare. Psalm 139 and verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart, try me and know my thoughts. Jesus had a perfect heart. And we are to want to have that, that type of heart, that type of heart. Uh, turn in your Bibles, please, to Deuteronomy. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 23. Deuteronomy chapter 23. And we'll be reading a few verses there. <clears throat> when we think about doing God's will, uh, we often think that we want it done right away. But it isn't always the case. God wants to do his will in our life. And sometimes it's not according to our plan, but according to his plan. Exodus chapter number 23, and we're going to be reading I'm sorry, Dennis. Is, um, I'm in Deuteronomy. There's a there's a a verse a chapter that goes along with that too, and I looked at the wrong side there. Exodus chapter 23 and verse number 20. Behold, I send an angel before thee. Uh, the children of Israel are are going into the promised land under Joshua. It's what's going to take place to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if thou shalt indeed obey my voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thine adversaries, for mine angel shall go before thee and bring thee in unto the Amorites and the Hittites and the Parasites and the Canaanites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their work, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quiet break down their images. And he shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water, and I will take sickness away from thee, the midst of thee. There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. I will send my fear before thee, and will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come. And I will make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. And I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before thee. I will not drive them out from before thee in one year. God is saying it's not going to take place right away. Lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field multiply against thee. By little and little I will drive them out before thee until thou be increased and inherit the land. God could have wiped them all out. He could have wiped out the animals too, but because he wanted nature uh, to, to work together with the people that were coming in, he says, we're going to take our time doing this, that the animals don't overtake you. 
and then we'll go on to the next place, and then we'll do the same thing, and then we'll do it a bit at a time. Things don't happen just bang right away. It takes time. It takes time. In uh, 1982, I came to college here, Baptist Bible College Canada, and I had only been saved four years. And I registered, and the next day we're sitting down in the lunchroom. They had this lunchroom, and uh, Mrs. Dorkson, she was uh, in charge of that room, uh, feeding us and everything, getting the food ready. And I'm sitting there, and one of the professors comes along and sits down beside me. He says, Paul, he right out of the booth, he says, Paul, have you read through the Bible completely, cover to cover? And I said, yes, sir. I have. God laid that on my heart that I would do that. And then after that, I started reading the Bible more. I started reading twice a year and then three times a year. And then I, I got to a place where I, I said, Lord, I'd, I'd like, if possible, I'd like to read the Bible 100 times, if possible. I started reading and I got to a place and it took 35 years, but in another, I think it's another 10 days, I'll have read the Bible from cover to cover 100 times. And it's not what I did for God, it's what he did for me. Because that blessed my soul so much. Every time that I get in trouble, I, I go to the Bible and he helps me through it. Uh, Gerald, could you bring those three Bibles down here for me? And what a blessing that has been in my life. I, uh, I read of a man, George Mueller. Uh, he, he was in the back of this Bible, one of the Bibles that I had. And I, I seen the cover there. And I opened it up and I read it. And it said that he had read the Bible through 100 times. George Mueller, that, that uh, man from the 19th, evangelist from England, and uh, had the orphanage, and at the end of his life, he had over 2,000 orphans, a great man of faith, but he read the Bible 100 times, and he said, I read the Bible 100 times. He says, I'm just scratching the surface. I'm just scratching the surface. And then by the time he died, he almost read it 200 times. I think he died when he was 92. If another three years, he would have read it Another hundred, would have read it 200 times. He, by the time he was 71, he had read the Bible through, cover to cover, 100 times. By the time he was 71, by the time I'm 70, I'll hopefully, if I, if I last another 10 days and, and get my, I read 20 pages a day, if I get that done, I'll have it done on my birthday, November 5th. What a great thing God has uh, allowed me to be used of him, to allow me to do that. At the end of his life, I didn't know this, I just read this yesterday, but he was reading the Bible four times a year. Four times a year. So if you read the Bible four times a year, times 25, that's uh, 25 years, that's 100 times that you read through the Bible. Let me encourage you. Let me encourage somebody. Let me encourage one person that they would take that up, that, that challenge, that they would read through the Bible 100 times. And, and see what God will do for you. And come back and tell me that it didn't do anything for you. Man alive, it did something for me. 
And it's still doing something for me. 25 more years. So I'll be, I'll be 70 November 5th, and Lord willing. I said to the Lord, I said, if you want to take me uh, when, I, when I'm finished uh, reading the Bible 100 times, that's fine with me. I'm ready, I'm ready to go. And I was just praying that God would allow me to stay alive that long. And if he allows me another 25 years, I'm going to start November 6th. I'm going to start reading this again. And if he allows me another 25 years till I'm 90, my mom lived to 96. If he allows me to read till I'm 95, I'll have read it 200 times. What a way to go into glory. Hallelujah. Praise God. Boom, chakalaka. Wow. I know that. <laughs> I said that. I said I said that to David, my son. He laughed, and uh, he sent me back a text, and he says, and now they say that all the time. They want to hear that guy. Kenny Baldwin. Pray for Kenny Baldwin. What a preacher that guy is. My goodness. But one, oh, Lord, allow me to do that. Allow me to do that. Please allow me to do that. What a thrill to my heart. What a thrill to my soul. Wear out some Bibles. I know some of you folks have told me you've worn out some Bibles. Wear out some Bibles. Wear out some Bibles where their, their covers are all frayed, where their covers are all frayed like that. That's the Bible that I had when I was in college. And I had all these notes written in there. That's the Bible I, I started on right there. Wore out. And I've got, I've got uh, I think, two or three other Bibles that I didn't bring that I wore out. Reading God's Word. The will of God. Read your Bible and pray. Uh, Mark Logan, that missionary that we support, goes all around the world, uh, wrote <clears throat> the last letter, letter that he wrote. He said, never has daily prayer been so important as we see God's work despite Satan's hindrances. Never have daily prayers been so important as we see God's work, see God work despite Satan's hindrances. Oh, God. The hand of God will move, but not according to our will, according to his will. The Lord prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew chapter 26 and verse 39. Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Three times, pray Jesus. He came to the disciples, Peter and James and John and and, and they fell asleep, and he said, couldn't, couldn't you guys, couldn't you guys pray one hour? And he's suffering in agony at Gethsemane. And he went back, and he prayed again. And he came back, and they're sleeping. And he went back, and he prayed again. A according to what I think, if it was one hour that he prayed, he said, couldn't you pray one hour? Then the Lord back and he, he prayed another hour. Then he prayed another hour. He prayed three hours in the garden. I'm just thinking that doesn't say that, but it sounds like he prayed three hours in the garden of Gethsemane. Oh, to God that we would be like that. Uh, George Mueller spent hours every day praying and reading his Bible. Ought we, ought we not to do the same thing and have the will of God upon our lives Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, Jesus showed us the pattern for prayer. 
and said after this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which is art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth. So the message from the preacher this morning, we can spend time with God in prayer. He wants his will to be done in our life. Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth, O Lord. Sanctify my people through the Bible, through uh, daily prayer, uh, through daily reading God's word and studying and meditating on it all day. Sanctify them through my, through thy word, O God. O God, when we, when we pray, we pray, O God, our Father which art in heaven, we have a communion, we have a communion, like the pastor was talking about, we have a communion with God, with our Heavenly Father. Our Father which art in heaven, O God, send revival, Lord. Send revival, O God, O God. Not according to our will. Many times I've thought, well, surely the rapture is going to come soon. And it never came. God had a different plan. I'm so glad that he had a different plan. When I got saved in, in 1978, I'm glad that the rapture didn't come before then, that he allowed me to live till I got saved at that time. There's another man that's uh, thankful also, and his name's Ivan Francis, that got saved last week. He's glad that the rapture didn't come before he got saved. And it was little by little. A man named Wolfgang Schultz was the one that really uh, introduced him to our church here. And then he was sick. Uh, Ivan was so sick, we thought we were going to lose him. You remember him? We all prayed for Ivan. And then witnessed to him. He heard the plan of salvation here many times. And then on October 16th, just last Friday, he realized how reasonable the gospel was bowed his head and asked God to take away his sins. My heart was moved. I said, would you pray and ask the Lord to save you? He said, I would. And he bowed his head and he said, dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sins, all my sins that I've committed. And he said, would you save my soul? Would you save my soul? Wow. What a rejoicing time I had. When he said the gospel is reasonable, I looked, I pointed, I said, that's it. Ivan, that's it. The gospel is so reasonable. What else is there? I remember when I got saved, I said, this is reasonable, preacher. This is reasonable. What do I need to do? He said, bow your head and ask the Lord to save you. And then I studied the Bible. And then that verse, come let us reason together. I didn't know that was in the Bible. Come let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as wool, as snow. Though they be like crimson, like a maggot. That, that crimson is like a little maggot. The color of it, the dye, is a maggot. Our sin is like a maggot before God. Though it be like a maggot, it'll be as white as wool. Hallelujah! What a Savior to take away our sin and remove it as far as east is from west. All You've heard the story, east and west, they never meet. They just keep going around and around. They're buried in the depths of the deepest sea and that's Deepest sea is going to be burned up one day. All those sins will be burned up wherever they are. Down in the depths of the deepest sea. Gone, gone, gone. Yes, my sins are gone. They're buried in the depths of the deepest sea. Hallelujah. Praise God. He was long-suffering. Worked little by little. People don't just get to where they are. 
in, in, overnight. Our pastor didn't get to where he is uh, just yesterday. I mean, he worked here 10 years to get to where he is now at this church at this time. And, and 16 or whatever years he worked as a pastor in Faith, in faith Baptist Church. And it, it just didn't happen overnight. Uh, little by little, God works. And he brings us to a place. When he brings us to a place and uh, he brings somebody across our path that doesn't know the Lord, you don't know how much God has worked in that person to bring that person that, to that place for you to tell them about Jesus. It was no coincidence that I was there with Ivan last week. God brought me to that, that time that I could share the gospel with him again and he'd get saved. We missed so many opportunities and the Lord must go, oh, I worked so hard, I worked so hard to bring that person across that person's path. And they just looked the other way at them. They didn't tell them about me. And they had a, they had a gospel track in their, in their pocket. They could have at least given that to them. They could have at least given the gospel of Jesus. And I'm guilty. I'm guilty as anybody else. I'm not pointing the finger at anybody here. God help me not to. Little by little, God does things. Uh, an evil plot destroyed. The book of Esther, the Jewish people are in captivity when a man named Haman is risen to great authority by King Erasmus, reigning over 127 provinces from India unto Ethiopia. He talks to the king, he talks the king into having all the Jews in every province to be destroyed. Mordecai, who is for the people, was a Jew who sought the welfare of the people. He raised up his cousin Esther, who became queen. She was brought to the palace, a place for this time by God, to see the children of Israel spared. God worked little by little in this little girl's life until she became a queen and then put her in the palace for a certain time. Haman ended up being hanged on the gallows. He had prepared for Mordecai. Queen Esther at first was very afraid to come before the king and ask deliverance for her people. But Mordecai sends her a message to remind her of the importance of her position as queen to be able to save the Jewish people from destruction under the king's authority. Esther chapter 4 and verse 14. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. And God can do that. If we refuse to be used, he'll, he'll bring somebody else. He'll work in someone else's life little by little to bring them to that place that you missed. And you missed out on that blessing or I missed out on that blessing. Shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. God had raised Esther for such a time. Esther proclaimed a fast prayer time, and God was entreated. And then you heard about the, the pastor last week about Joseph, a plan to save much people alive. Joseph sold into slavery by his brothers at the age of 17, brought down into Egypt. And after 39 years, at the age of 56, was finally accepted and trusted by his brethren. God worked little by little 
in those patriarchs, the 11 brothers, mostly the 10, that sold him into slavery. God worked 39 years in their hearts to bring them to a place where they knew that they could be trusted by Joseph. Wow. It takes time for God to work sometimes, little by little. So let's not be discouraged. Let's not be discouraged. My, my life is almost gone. I'm, I'm 69. <clears throat> I'm going to be 70 in November. If that's a lot of time for me, right? Uh, three score and 10, that's a lot of time for me. 70 years. Anything extra is bonus. Anything extra is bonus from God. But let's, let's use our life. Let's, let's let God use us. Let's let him have his will in our life. Let's let him have his, his will in our life. Pray and read your, your Bible and, and seek God and trust him. A promise fulfilled. God choose a man named David. A man after God's own heart. heart. Only a boy named David, only a babbling brook took five smooth stones, and you know the story. God prepared this boy by delivering a lion and a bear out of his hand and raised him to destroy Goliath and made him king over Israel. Little by little, he took a little boy and brought him to a great place, a great place of service as a king. As a king. And he's still going to be used as a prince during the millennial period and forever. He'll have a throne as a shepherd to us, the Bible says. For Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10, For who hath despised the day of small things? A promised Messiah. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 15, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoptions of sons. 33 years of life for this greatest of all time purpose, the cross. Everything else wanes in the sight of this sacrifice of all time where our blessed Savior was nailed for our sin, for the sin of mankind. All that has taken place before and after in view of what took place that day, it can never compare to it. Nothing. The greatest armies in the world, the greatest glory that man could possibly muster up, fails in sight of the cross. The pinnacle of time is the cross of Christ. Everything looks back at the cross. Everything looks forward to the cross. It's all the cross of Christ. What the tremendous thing that Jesus did there on that cross that we might have eternal life. He died for us, the Savior of all mankind. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, Micah chapter 5 and verse 2 but thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is, to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth hath been from old, from everlasting, brought forth of a virgin. 
the handmaid of the Lord, whose name was Mary. Luke 2, 7, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. God could have provided room in the inn, but Jesus identified with the common people all his life. He could have come as a great king. When I, when I heard that song this morning about God getting, above, getting off the throne to come to... When, when, he, when he moved, when he was sitting on the throne and, 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 and God said, it's time for you to go, he, he sat up, he got up, and he went forward. And I thought, he's coming for me, for this wretched old sinner, this, this no good old dirty sinner. He's coming to save me. He's, he's leaving the throne of heaven, and he's coming to save me. Oh, my heart was moved. I was broken this morning. I was broken thinking about that. He's coming for me. For me. Oh, God. That's it. Oh, God, I get that more and more. The more I, the more I draw closer to God, it's, oh, God. Oh, God. You're so wonderful. You're so good. You're so gracious. An obedient son did all the will of the father, every bit. At the age of 12, being brought up to the Passover in Jerusalem, he was found in the synagogue and asking questions that astounded the doctors and was sought of his family. And he went with them in verse 51 of that chapter. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject Unto them, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8. And being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Oh God, forgive me for not humbling myself, Lord. Forgive me for the pride of my heart every day. Oh God, forgive me. I'm such a proud person. Oh God, forgive me. Help me, Lord. I'm, God that, I'm glad that God was patient with me from the time I was accountable for the sin till I, I was 27. I, I talked to uh, somebody the other day about, I think it was Michelle Buzzfield, and we were talking about the age of accountability. I said, I, I remember, I think, for me it was, I think it was six or seven, I went and stole something, and I hit it. Man, I was under conviction. My conscience was bothering me. A seven-year-old, I couldn't sleep. Got up in the morning and I said, Dad, I, I got to tell you something. He said, what is it, Paul? I'm only seven. I said, I stole something. Man, I was broken. And, and I wish somebody would have been there to tell me about Jesus. But that wasn't the case. God had something else in mind. I'm not blaming my dad. He said, we're going to go back to the store and you're going to tell the this, this, this store clerk what you did and, and, and see what he'll and I went back and I said, I'm so sorry, sir. And he said, well, he said, don't, he said, don't worry about it. He says, your dad will take care of the punishment. And he did. He did. That's when they used to take care of punishment. And I didn't do it again. I mean, I shouldn't say that. I did steal again, but not when I was that age. I knew the difference. But I knew, and Michelle was 
saying the, telling me the same thing. Someone encouraged her to take something, and she said, I couldn't sleep. I was in such, uh, my, my conscience was bothering. She was just a young girl at that time, too. So there is an age of accountability. And I think if I had died <clears throat> at that age of accountability at seven years old, I would have gone to hell. Would, 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 would you believe that? There is an age of accountability. God doesn't want to send anybody to hell, no matter what age they are. Seven or 20 or 30 or 100. He doesn't want anybody to go to that hell. He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He wants to see them saved. Oh. Oh, to God that we might see more people saved in, in, in our midst. The more I study the Bible, the more I see where I was heading. I didn't realize when I was 27 years of age all the sin that I committed, that if, if I died, I, I figured there was a heaven and a hell. But I didn't realize where I was heading, really. I didn't really understand where I was heading. I still don't understand it all. The devil was waiting to devour along with the migrates of evil angels. We call them demons. Like uh, vicious wolves ready to rip apart in, in the underworld. And you've heard stories of it. The everlasting flame before me, Matthew 18, 25 and 41, about the suffering, the vengeance of eternal fire, Jude 7. Matthew 33, 23, 33, the damnation of hell, the damnation of hell. The damnation of hell is for eternity. You're damned, you're damned for eternity. You'll never get out. You'll never see again. Doesn't matter how many good works you've done. It's not going to get you into heaven. You can be the greatest person on earth. Your sin will send you to a crisis eternity. Mark chapter 3 and verse 29, eternal damnation. Mark chapter 9, verse 44, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. We don't want to think about that, where the worm dieth not. That's something that's in your body, along with all, everything else. It's not nice. Matthew 13, 42, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 22, verse 13, and cast them into utter darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So there's going to be a wailing and weeping. Allow God to work in you to bring you to a place where you can have some divine appointments. Where you can have some divine appointments where God's going to allow you to tell somebody about Jesus. He didn't, he didn't leave us here uh, just to have fellowship with each other. And I mean, that's great. I love having fellowship and I love having fun. Just like anybody else, I like to read the Bible. I like to come to church. I like to get stirred up. I like this, the songs like the Mercy Tree. Man, whoa! That's great stuff. But what about our next door neighbor and the person walking down the street that we see or, or the person that's in the gas station or, or the person that's in the grocery store? What about them? What about our family? Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. He paid the whole price. You know, that uh, he knew... We don't know everything that's going to come upon us. I, I think, I think if, I, if I sat down here 
and uh, I could see a screen before me and I could see everything that was going to happen to me in the next, whatever, 10 years, if I got 10 more years to live. Maybe I'd say, oh, no, no, I'm not, I'm not going there. Or maybe when I was 20, no, no, I, I'm not going there. I, I'm not going to go through that. I'm, I'm going to take a different route. But God puts us, he puts us in a place uh, little by little, day by day, he brings us to the place where he wants us to be. He brings us to the place where he wants us to be. Isn't it great to know the Lord, to have the peace of God that passes all understanding? To sit down at night and read your Bible and, and, and such a great peace comes over your heart. I read, I read the Bible, I'll be almost 100 times. Now, uh, George Mueller, the one thing that he did that I never, never did, he, he read the, the 100 times of the Bible on his knees. Wow. A hundred times he read the Bible through on his knees. I thought, wow, wow, what a man of God. What a reward that guy's got in heaven. Hallelujah. Man, he's going to have some crowns to cast, some crowns to cast at the Lord's feet. <clears throat> turn, we'll be finished with this. Uh, turn to John. John chapter 18, I'm sorry it took so long. John chapter 18 and verse 4. This is uh, the Lord in Gethsemane. When you think of Gethsemane, I mean, when I was in Israel, I've said this before, my heart was so moved when I, when I looked into that garden and I thought about my blessed Lord, how he prayed there and the, the sweat drops of blood came off his head. My heart was moved. I don't think anything in Israel ever touched my heart like that. I went to the tomb, and that's great, and the cross, but Gethsemane. Oh, God. He cried out to his father. And he gets up off Gethsemane, and, and Judas comes. Having, okay, verse 3, John chapter 18 and verse 3, Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh hither with lanterns and torches and weapons, Jesus therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? Jesus, knowing all things, he knew everything that was going to come upon him. The death of the cross the burial, the, the spitting in the face, the plucking of the hair, everything that was going to happen to him, he knew all about it, and he went forth. Why? For me. For you. That you might have eternal life. Praise God. That he went forth and fulfilled the, the will of the Father, and he wants us to have communion with his Father. Our Father, which art in heaven, he said, pray. Our Father, which art, oh God. So we have communion with the Lord, with his presence, and we can have communion with God, his Father, like the pastor was talking about this morning. What a tremendous, and the Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And then uh, just uh, turn over a few pages there, 19, 28 to 30, and then we'll be done. 
1928 and 30 to 30. After this, he's on the cross. It's all finished. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. And there was set a vessel of vinegar, and they filled the sponge with vinegar and put it hyssop upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, you know, he received the, the vinegar, but he wouldn't take it. He spit it out. In, in other passages, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. But in verse, and in verse 28, after this, Jesus knowing, he knew all things that were going to come upon him, and now he knew everything that, that had come upon him. And he said, it's finished. It's finished. Praise God, it's finished. And we win. The souls that are saved are going to be with Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. To God be the glory. Great things he had done. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm so excited about what God is doing. I'm excited about his love for me and his love for you. And I'm excited about his love for maybe someone here that doesn't know the Lord as Savior. That you have an opportunity tonight to receive him to come forward and ask God to save you. We'd be glad to show you from the Bible, a man with a man, a woman with a woman, how you could be saved. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Would you stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed? You say, Pastor Paul, no one's looking, no one's peeking. You say, Pastor Paul, I, I need to be saved. I'd like, I, need, I need Jesus. Are you like that? Would you... Be willing to trust him today, realizing that he paid the price for your sin. Come forward. Maybe you'd like to just come forward and pray. Thank the Lord for your salvation. Thank the Lord for how good he's been to you. Pray that God will use you, that you'll be in his will. Would you come and pray? The altar's open. The altar's open. Come and pray. God's, maybe he's pricking you and you're saying, oh, not now, Lord. Well, respond to him. Respond to his leading. <laughs>